All right, welcome back to the podcast series, A Peek Into Zach's Life. I'm your host, uh, Zach Miller. Uh, with the second episode in the series today, we're going to take a look, taking a look at uh, past events that have molded me. Uh, I mean, talking about past events that have uh, shaped who I am today and have a heavy impact on me uh, following the same way we did the first episode. Uh, I'm going to have other people speak about past events who are there and present and can give some more context on that, uh, followed by myself and then giving uh, more context and giving another perspective on said event. All right, with all that being said, I uh, hope you're having a good day, and let's get right into it. Alrighty, so the first event that we will be talking about today that has helped to, uh, had a major impact on who I am today and helped shape who I am is uh, experiences at the world's greatest retreat. Uh, I'll have both of my older brothers who attended the retreat as well uh, speak on their own accounts and how it has changed them, and then I will talk about it, how it has changed me, and then why it's uh, obviously in this episode today. I have my older brother Jacob here to talk about his experience with uh, the world's greatest retreat. Jacob, can you please start by telling us uh, why you went to the retreat? Yes. So... Originally, I only went to the retreat because my mom made me. Uh, but at the end of it, I was very glad she did. It's a very eye-opening experience for me, something that I've never done. Uh, and I think it was a great way to get me kind of out of my comfort zone in a beneficial way with uh, my spirituality. All right, thank you. Um, when you initially were going to the retreat and you didn't know much about it, what were you hoping to get out of the retreat? Or was it just to make mom happy? <laughs> it was mainly to make mom happy. Um, to start off with. However, uh, I realized that uh, just about everybody there that I met was getting getting something out of it, and so I decided to, you know, open my mind and try it out as well. To uh, see, uh, I don't know, kind of emulate what everybody else is doing, and uh, it worked. It was. It was a lot. Really good. All right. Thank you. Um, so you've told us what you hoped to get out of the retreat. Can you now tell us what you actually got out of the retreat itself? Yes. Uh, well, the person in charge, uh, he's a family friend, and he does a lot of – he does really well with the retreat. Um, but I guess uh, – one of the biggest things uh, he does really well with working with the leaders there and so I was able to look up to all the leaders and you know try and get something from all of them I know my older brother he was a leader one year and so I really looked up to him to make sure or to I really looked up to him and tried to get out of world's greatest what he got out of it which was a lot for him as well and it's just really beneficial. It's very insightful because you get to see, you know, what everybody else is going through. You can never tell what's going on in everybody's head, but a lot of times there people will open up and it was uh, very beneficial. All right. Thank you. Um, you've told us why you went, what you hoped to, and what you have gotten out of the retreat experience. Uh, can you tell us now uh, those experiences, experiences, how they affect you today? or the friends you've made, uh, how they affect you today? Yes. So, 
Uh, I may I have met a lot of people too there, some of whom I'm keeping in contact with, and uh, I think that's really good. They're all very nice people, very great friends. Uh, but on top of that, I, like I said earlier, it's uh, very insightful just seeing that what everybody goes through and how everybody's experiences are different. And I think that being able to open up to people about stuff like that was is thing to do. And yeah, that's that's probably the top thing I got out of it. Was yeah. All right, thank you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Oh, oh boy. Alrighty, so I'm back, everyone. Uh, as you can clearly tell from hearing from both my brothers, uh, my mom with this retreat, she made us go the first year. Like it wasn't really an option. So the first year I went, my brother went, both my brothers went, um, and it was up to us to go back or not on the second year. Um, both my brothers did go back each year after uh, for the remaining three years because you can only go on this retreat uh, from freshman to senior year while you're in high school. So my brothers did go back finishing out there uh, each year they were able to go uh, on this retreat. I, however, have a pretty, uh, I guess, bipolar uh, relationship with this retreat. The first year I went by force. The second year I did not go. And then the third year I did go. And then the fourth year I did not go. So it's kind of like a on-off relationship of like me going and not going. And I'll explain that because... The first year uh, I went, it was it was okay. I made a lot of good friends and had fun and whatnot. But just how the retreat was and what we did there wasn't really my type of thing. Um, you have small groups as you all do in all retreats, and then you just you have activities you get to break down the barriers, and you get to know each other better on an emotional level, and just sharing emotions and being that close with people isn't something I really do. I'm more of a, uh, a keep to myself type of person and, and opening up is not really my thing, which is what has made one of these doing this uh, podcast series uh, quite hard to do for me. Um, just gonna have to talk about myself a lot, which is uh, it's not something I like to do. So it's been interesting. But yeah, with the, the retreat, it's just a lot of, uh, I guess, as people in Kairos know, I just thought of breaking down your barriers, getting to know each other more, speaking on an emotional level, which I don't really do, which is why I chose not to go back the second year. Uh, the third year, which was when I was a junior, I did decide to go because one of my close friends uh, was able to persuade me in going. So uh, I went to like, hang out with them and be with them. And I did, again, enjoy myself. Just the whole emotional sharing made it awkward. Not awkward per se, because I did share, so it wasn't like everyone else was sharing, and I was just kind of sitting there like, oh, okay, cool. I did share, so I just, it was kind of out of my nature and a big step out of my comfort zone. So it, it did help, but it just, again, wasn't really my thing, which is why uh, on the fourth year, I decided not to go. Um, Yeah. The reason that I uh, I did add this into the podcast series series though is even if I like to admit it or not, uh, my mother my mother was right for sending me to the retreat by force the first year, 
because I was just coming into high school that year and it was about that high school alone was a big step for me out of my comfort zone and something that I didn't really want to do, but you don't really have a choice for going to high school. Um, and so this doing this retreat uh, the freshman year did help me a lot step out of that comfort zone. Uh, being able to make meet new friends, uh, just a lot of new, a lot of new experiences that went on as well as uh, helping break the ice and make new friends at high school. Uh, the retreat did help me a lot with that because a lot of the friends that I have now today are ones that I made freshman year that if I would not have gone to that retreat, I, I may not have been able to meet or be with today. So with wrapping up the, uh, the first section of the episode, this episode, uh, the transition from high school or from grade school to co- uh, high school uh, and the correlation to this retreat experience with helping uh, break down my barriers and being able to step out of my comfort zone is why I decided to add in this section to my podcast because that transition was a very big part of, uh, of who I am today. And I guess I, it'd be a part of, it's a big part of who everyone is today uh, or in our class at least because we have a lot of friends we make in grade school and that's where we usually, a lot of us have been for just a whole eight years um, and so then stepping out of that alone is just a big step. And then going into high school for anyone is an even bigger step because there's, it's just the high school compared to grade school, how the classes are, the lunches, the friends, it's just completely different. So that is why I did add this uh, section into my podcast. Uh, moving on with the next section, I will have my dad speak about some things that he uh, some different examples while we've been working on the basement together as well as some other things of uh, how they've had an impact on who I am today. And then I will uh, uh, follow up on that as well. I have my father with me here today to talk about that as well. Yeah, so one of the – one thing that we've done together uh, is work on a, a basement project that we've had. So the – Project kind of started off with no real direction. Kind of Zach and I kind of both give our input onto what we thought we wanted the basement to look like, how we wanted to do it, uh, things of that nature. Uh, we made decisions together and kind of, kind of uh, just kind of taking the the whole project step by step um, to to completion. So some of the things that I think that Zach has got out of that is being able to. Uh, visualize what he wants in the future and then realize what he has to do to, to take that initiative, make the work happen, do the work, and, and then, uh, you know, reach your goal, so to speak. So I think Zach learned a lot of valuable lessons, um, not only <clears throat> skill-wise, you know, electrical skill-wise, uh, carpentry skill wise, things of that nature that he's probably going to take with him for the rest of his life, but also uh, the work ethic. Uh, that's the most important to me is you know that he's learned a good work ethic and that he's uh, can take that with him the rest of his life. Nobody come down and did the basement for us. You know we had to do it ourselves. Uh, Zach was a major contributor. Matter of fact, he he did a lot of work uh, at home while I was at work. So, uh, I think it's, I think it's something that he enjoyed doing. Uh, it's something that I enjoyed doing with him, but I'm most important, I'm, I'm thinking that the, uh, the life skills of, uh, setting a goal, working through it, thinking through it, 
and then putting, you know, executing your plan to, uh, to make it work to achieve those goals. I think that's the most important lesson he's taken from uh, working on the basement with me. All right, so I'm back again. Uh, you've just heard from my father talking about um, events, or I guess the event of uh, working on the basement together and how he thinks that it has helped shape who I am today and molded into me. Um, I did choose this part to add into the episode uh, because doing this um, basement, we, we started it, uh, I guess, during initially during the COVID lockdowns when they happened in March because uh, I was home a lot doing schoolwork and then uh, I just, you couldn't really go out anywhere because we were locked down due to the pandemic and whatnot. And then uh, he was home a lot more, but because of his job, uh, it was considered an essential one. So he was still working a lot, but he was able to be home a lot more. And then the hours were shifting to reduce uh, contamination or not contamination, but spreading uh, similar how we have different days of people coming in uh, at school. Um, so I did, uh, like I said, I add this part in because I do feel like it has done a lot for me. Um, not only like when you, when you plan to do something, uh, this has really shown me that you have to plan it out and prepare for that. Uh, for example, when we took out the tiling in the basement, um, we had to uh, get a chisel and then we had to scrape the tiles off because they were older tiling. And then there was another layer of tiling underneath it, which we had to remove. But this tiling was a, um, it was very old tile, which was difficult to get off. And the chisel that we were using was uh, not enough. You could get bits and pieces off, but it would have taken hours and hours of just painstaking manual labor uh, to get just, uh, uh, just to, it was just, it wasn't viable to use the chisel for that. So we ended up having to rent a, uh, I believe it would be called like an industrial sander or grinder to uh, to grind down that last layer of tiling um, to the uh, the cement block where we would lay our new flooring. And um, just when you look at like, before we started, when you look at the tile, we said, okay, it'll just be easy to get off and then we can put the new flooring down and go from there. But that wasn't the case at all. And we got the, the old tiling up, and then we were faced with the grinding issue, which the grinder took uh, several hours of just pure grinding the floor down, which was a lot of manual labor again. But um, with that, uh, it was a lot easier to do than what the chisel would have been. And with doing that, we uh, it helped me realize that uh, things aren't always as easy as they might seem. They're just a quick one-two done. Uh, that's not always the case, and this was uh, definitely not the case with that. Uh, once we did get all of it grinded down, though, we were then faced with the issue of using the grinder, uh, all the dust that was in the air from grinding it, which we then had to uh, get out. We had to mop the floor several times, uh, use shop vacs to get the dust out, and that, again, took a few days just to get that all done, wetting, drying, getting it cleaned just another big part of that. And then when put, putting the new flooring down, uh, we had to make sure it was clean, uh, flat. We had to use epoxy to fill in any cracks that may have happened. I uh, was pulling nails up from the concrete uh, bed from the old tiling. And then we had to, uh, you have to put down a, a, a seal. I believe it's a, like a plastic seal. I'm trying to think of the name, a vapor barrier. If you put a vapor barrier down on the flooring, 
and then you put the new tile down and um due to support beams in the basement we had to cut circles in the vapor barrier that went around the uh the beams which was not a big issue but just another thing that you have to think about as well as then uh with the stairs in the basement when they came down that wall was actually not even it was about not a major slant but enough of a slant to cause an issue which was just something that we didn't really anticipate happening we we assumed that the basement would have been in itself just all around even which it was not so again that was something that uh, caused an issue but we got around it as well and we fixed it just again going to show that thing it's not always going to be as easy as it seems and it it is difficult um so once we got the vapor barrier down, we then had to lay the tiling down, which the tiling we knew wasn't going to be uh, extremely easy. But it, uh, but the first eight percent was easy until we hit the beam, where we then had to use a, a table saw to cut a circle in the uh, plastic uh, tiling to make sure to uh, work around the beam. And then again, we had to, this was the more painstaking part of it. We had to measure each block. They're about, I think, a one foot by one foot block. And we had about 10 of them that went down the side of with the stairs. So we had cut each one, measure each one, then go up and cut it. And then sometimes we would miscut or mismeasure. So that, that, that part alone took the longest with just laying the new flooring down just because of the individual measuring and whatnot of each one of those and cutting. So... Like just uh, when you look when it, when we first looked at the flooring, and like I said earlier, uh, it was just a, a quick look. Okay, we'll just put up the tile, put the new one down, quick one, two, and done. But with the different uh, measurements in the basement, the working around the beams, and then the uh, third or the second layer of underneath the tiling and having to grind it down, there are so many more variables in there that you wouldn't really anticipate happening. But that just helped to show me that the uh, planning out that has to go through with anything really you do is just, uh, it's a big thing. And that's really stuck with me as well because I was there doing it. I did the manual labor and that's really helped uh, embed that in me today. All right. uh, For the next part in this episode, uh, I gave my mom the pretext for this episode and then instead of me like shaping questions or asking her what to talk about, she said, "All right, uh, give me a minute." And then she um she brought up some own events for her or that she thought has really helped uh, been impactful on me. And so uh, I'll let her talk about those. Hi, this is Michelle Zachary's mom. I wanted to talk about um two things that kind of that I've noticed him. That shaped him as like over the last couple of years as he's been growing up and maturing. One is um, about a year ago, his great granny died, and um, one of our our lifelong friends had driven up from Kentucky, so had driven up almost two hours just to you know pay her respects. And she's grown up with the boys, and and um, and I didn't realize how much that had had touched Zachary until um, a couple months later, her father in law had passed away. And again, it's in Kentucky. It's about um, from our from at that point, it was about an hour and a half away from us. And I asked, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna head down for the for the for the viewing." And he's like, "I'll go with you." And I'm like, and I said, "Really?" And he's like, he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Okay, that'd be great." And I'm like, "Well, what made you want to go?" 
and he's like, he's like, well, he's like, you know, she, she came up all this way and was, um, when, when granny died and, and to pay her respects. And he's like, and that really meant a lot to me. And, and, uh, and since then, um, unfortunately they've had another, he's been to a couple more viewings, but he, he realizes, you know, how much, um, that really makes a difference to the family as they're mourning that people come and say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. Um, so I've noticed that, that change in him as, as he's gotten older. Um, the second one is just his, his volunteering. Um, the, I work at the community dinners. Um, we prepare a community dinner at St. Peter church, um, once a month. Um, so over the last, you know, eight to 10 years, he's, he's come up, you know, here and there to help out. And, uh, he and one of the other, um, children of one of the other moms there, they would just hang out and stuff sometimes and goof around. But I noticed he's been helping up, helping out a little bit more the last, the last couple of years, last year or two, maybe. Um, and our big Thanksgiving dinner is, is a lot of, it's, it's not just a couple hours here and there. It's, it's like, you know, eight hours on Saturday and about eight hours on Sunday. And, and the last two years he's gotten up and gone over with me early in the morning and he stayed and he worked as hard as anybody else there, probably harder. Um, and, uh, he put in, you know, 16 to 20 hours of, of, of work, of really hard work, uh, preparing the meals and, and helping out the community. And, uh, I just, I see the growth in him and, and I just, I really enjoy and, and love, you know, volunteering with him. So and that's, that's all that I have. All right. So after hearing from my mother, um, about late August, uh, I believe last year, uh, my great grandmother died and that was the, uh, the second like close relative that I've had, uh, passed away. The first being my great grandfather in about 2012. Other than that, I haven't really had anyone, any relatives pass away. So the whole uh, dealing with death and mourning, uh, I, I was still kind of new to and didn't really know how to process a whole lot of it. Um, so with that, uh, at the viewing, um, one of my my mother's uh, like childhood friends, uh, Christy, um, she came up to see me and she lives in Kentucky, which is a decent uh, way away uh, where she lives in to where we live and um we've always like we we spend christmas together thanksgiving together we do a lot of things together um and so just her being there for me when i was really just in a place of uncertainty and not knowing like how to deal with it and her coming all that way just to be there for me that really i really spoke to me on levels that i'm not sure how to explain just the the uh, that someone has that much uh thought for someone else to go be that that uh to drive that far just to for a few minutes to be with them to let them know that they care uh that really that was that really meant a lot to me which is why um when her uh her father-in-law i believe passed away um and my mom went up to there uh, because they were such good friends i decided to go along as well just because when i needed her and she was able to be there for me uh, I wanted to be there for her as well. Uh, same with the brother-in-law that recently passed away as well. Um, circumstances don't really change. She uh, was there for me, so I wanted to be there for her as well. Um, so, yeah, that's why I decided to add that one in, just because um, that that that's going to stick with me uh, for a long time as well, just because 
um, I just, yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not really sure how to explain it. It's just that stuck with me a lot. Um, in dealing with the community dinners, uh, my mom is uh, a group of, I think, seven or eight women who all do the St. Peter, uh, my grade school, community dinners together. Um, as far from prepping each dinner to getting the stuff for the dinner to serving the dinner, uh, I would help a lot with the uh, preparation at times and then the serving as well. And um, I guess it was easy to do because um, my mom was she was one of the main people who helped and was in all the meetings as well. So it was kind of just like a, a given for me to go and do that. Uh, in doing that over all the years, though, it has helped me a lot with just different uh, various things in doing so. Uh, I've met a lot of different people doing so from the people who eat at the dinners and talking with them to uh, the people who help organize and run them. Uh, similar to what I did in the basement, I guess. Um, the, the planning of the dinner takes a lot of work and a lot of organization and cooperation from different groups. Uh, for example, with our Thanksgiving dinner, you it's so much work because it's usually 1,000 to 1,200 people which are fed at that dinner, uh, which is just for a group of that small to work with that. Uh, with Thanksgiving dinner, though, we do have a lot more volunteers who help. But the initial prep of just thawing out turkeys, uh, buying the turkeys, getting the mashed potatoes ready, the turkey, uh, I just said turkey, uh, the green beans uh, and whatnot. It's just, it, it is a major task to ensue upon. And so that has been one thing that has helped me out a lot as well. All right. So we've heard from my, my brother about the world's greatest retreat and then I talking about it. Uh, my dad about us working on the basement and then me giving some more context. And then my mom talking about uh, my aunt visiting me and then um, me working at the community dinners and then me get, oh, excuse me, me giving more context on those. Uh, now we're going to talk about my family history as well. Um, or I guess my family and its history. Um, so I have two older brothers, Josh and Jacob, who are both in college. You heard about them in the uh, first episode. Uh, my mom and my dad, who are separated. Uh, my mom has a boyfriend, and my dad has a girlfriend. Uh, my dad's boyfriend, who you, or no, excuse me, my mom's boyfriend, who you heard from in the first episode, uh, Mark Talley. He has three kids of his own, and they have been together for about four and a half, five years around there. And then my dad's girlfriend, uh, Jen Beerley, who uh, she has three kids as well. Uh, they have been together for about two and a half, three and a half years around there. Uh, neither one have any engagements or are married uh, or any plans of that uh, that I know of as of right now. Um, and then I have my dog, Casey, who is at my mom's house. And then we have my cat, Lou, who we call King Louie, and we refer to the house as the castle. And uh, he's an outdoor and indoor cat. Uh, when he goes indoors, we, we scream, the king is in the castle as he enters. And then uh, when he, he goes outside, we proclaim that the king is in court now. Uh, just kind of like a little funny thing we do. Um, on my dad's side, I, there was another divorce that happened as well. A few, actually. I have my grandpa, Jim, who is my dad's uh, father. And then I have my grandma, Martz, who is my dad's mother. And then my grandma, Martz, is married to my grandpa, Paul. Uh, and they had, they had three kids together. 
Megan, Aaron, and Christy, uh, all of whom are married. Uh, Christy has seven kids with Brian. Uh, Megan has four kids with Mike. And Aaron and his partner, Dorian, I don't believe they have any kids. And then uh, my grandpa, Paul, married uh, Bobby, who I'm not related to, only through divorces and remarries. And she, uh, they had Cindy, who's my aunt, which is my dad's uh, stepsister. And she has two kids as well. So that puts my grandma Marts at around having, uh, I believe it's 17 or 18 grandchildren. We, uh, my aunt, May, aunt Christian, uncle Brian, uh, fostered one child and then adopted another. So the number kind of varies. Uh, so that's a brief, a very brief description of my dad's side of the family. Um, so talking about my mom's side, I have my, so my mom, uh, her parents are still married and together. Together they had three kids, my mom, my uncle Matt, and my uncle Kevin. Uh, my uncle Matt lives in Washington, D.C., or uh, the suburb just outside of Washington, my apologies. Uh, she's married to Aunt May. Uh, together they have two children, Alex and Sophia. Um, then my uh, grandma and grandpa on my mom's side had Kevin, who was married to at Nicole, and together they had two kids as well. Uh, both had a boy and a girl, so it's kind of ironic how that worked out. Uh, that's a, another brief description. My mom's side a lot smaller and more compact than um, my dad's side with all the divorces, remarries, and grandchildren or whatnot. All right, um, so that is going to wrap up the second episode in the podcast series. Uh, thank you for being around and listening. I'll see you all in the next one.